you know what the secret the sauce is? Tell us. Meditating. Dude, it was, man. I feel very it's the way. For everything. I get heart palpitations when I think of you naked. She said maybe in another life. What a beautiful waste of time. What a beautiful waste of time. And we're back. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> there we go. That's a way to start off a podcast. Isn't it wonderful? That's definitely the first way I've started off the podcast, meditating. Considering we have so many people here, might as well be together. No, that was actually uh, that was actually pretty good. Now I feel like How I'm in the zone. Is that good? Yeah, we have a lot of people here. If this is how we're going into, there's like eight other people in this room. Check. Check. How does that sound? It's good. How does it sound? Everybody's good? It sounds great. Should I get it closer? And however you feel. Yeah. Be comfortable. Dude. Yeah. This is exactly... Uh, this is the Nobody Gets It podcast, and the main reason I started coming up with making this happen was trying to have important people that I've met across this way to come in and kind of give their spiel about, you know, what nobody gets about what they might do, the work ethic that goes behind what they do, you know, the pros and cons. But uh, really just trying to also get this whole first few episodes of people that, you know, I think would provide really good you know, information and just, you know, funny stories we've done along the way too, but it's important. I was, I'm happy that you were eager to, or down and eager to do this with me. Appreciate yeah. it. I'm very flattered. Yeah. Yeah. You're flattered. Just an eager it. beaver. Hell yeah, man. No, nah, it's cool. And I think, uh, the way we first even crossed paths, I mean, some context for people listening is, you know, your name's Alex and Alex Luntz manager, um, with a band called beauty school dropout. Yep. Which, uh, how long have you been working with them? Four years, four almost years. three and a half, four years. Cool. And uh, how'd you how'd you even like come across with them? So uh, I moved to LA about four years ago as well, it, last March, and I came from Seattle. And I went to school out there. I was managing, you know, kids at my school, also throwing parties and having artists perform at those parties in college. And I realized that was kind of, you know, something that I was really interested in and, you know, way more interested in that than economics or whatever else I was taking at the time. And I think that was really what drove me to like, you know, find like something that made sense for what I wanted to do, you know, passionate about it. What school was it? The University of Puget Sound. Go Loggers. Okay. Okay. You know, and at the time school for me was the highest bidder anyways. Yeah. So, you know, if I had an opportunity, you know, you know. Drake called me. I'd been like, <laughs> see a school. I'm going to, see, I'm going to hang out with Drake. And, yeah. But I knew that's where I, I wanted to do it. So anyways, long story short, I was graduated school, promoted some shows, uh, all the way up to like, I did a music festival at the Tacoma Dome where we had like, you know, Buster Rhymes, DMX, Method Man, Red Man, E-40, Gucci Mane, Russ. What year uh, was this? Lil Uzi Vert. Uh, 2016. Okay, cool. So it was about a year after I graduated mm-hmm. in 2015. And I just kind of established myself in the Seattle market, was managing guys and like really learning how to do it, you know, learning what sound checks were and like, you know, really the range of stuff. And I came to the realization that, so this is a long way to get to your answer. That's okay. Dude, we got the, time. I came to the realization that Seattle had a glass ceiling for the music business because it's like, it's one of those markets, especially for artists where they can get like really comfortable because yeah. they can get some fame and they can start getting put on to like cooler stuff. And like, there are some bigger festivals in Seattle. So like mm-hmm. that like builds that confidence for them. But then there's really no like, it's like a lot of artists don't make it out of that bubble. Yeah. I feel like that's the way like Austin sometimes, mm-hmm. even like with sometimes with Salt Lake, what we're feeling like there's those like kind of like, we call them B markets maybe. Like there's the A markets yeah. and then the B is like Seattle and those things, but yep. which are great. But yeah, you told totally, like, Nashville, artists. like yeah. eh, that's kind of ish. But yeah, there's people that can get comfortable. Well, and so on that, just as an artist, there's opportunities, but as a as an aspiring music industry person, like yeah. there's like even less opportunities, you know, yeah. like. I was knocking down the doors of all the big, all the management companies that were there or labels and just really didn't really get much support. So I was always kind of just do it myself. And then I landed a tour managing job for the Whalers, like Bob Marley and the Whalers. Nice. The cool part about that band was um, they would do, you know, belly up 
in Aspen oh, yeah. for three, 400 people and then Red Rocks the next day. Or like in Fire. Europe, they would do 800 people in Amsterdam and then they would be opening for Jay-Z and Beyonce at a festival in front of 90,000 because that band could get put in that position. Mm-hmm. So for me, I got the phone call. Four days later, I was at Sony Music Hall in New York City tour managing you know, a, a fairly decent sized tour oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Like I had zero clue what the fuck I was doing, to <laughs> yeah. be honest. But I learned really fast. I was super stressed. I probably lost like 15 pounds in like two weeks. And I figured it out. You know, and that point took me, that pretty much, they took me around the world for like a summer and a half. And like, I realized that there were a lot more markets out there than just like Seattle or Definitely. like anything else. And then I realized I really had to move to Los Angeles if I wanted to take the management stuff seriously. Mm-hmm. And so in that, my roommate and uh, partner, Jacoby, shout out to Jacoby. Um, yeah. We, uh, he met the band at a, par- at a Vic Mensa party in Silver Lake Hills. And he came to me that day that evening I was like, yo, I met this band. They're so sick. And like, I was actively trying to get jobs at any management company I possibly could. Like I interviewed at all the big management companies, didn't get a single offer from anybody. Didn't have any clients really. I left all my clients in Seattle cause they were just not as motivated as I was. So I didn't really have much to offer except for myself. And like, that can only go so far, you know, like mm-hmm. you can get into the mail room. I, I got offers to get in the mail room at William Morris or like things like that. And thankful for those opportunities, but I just, the agent side of the business wasn't necessarily what I aspired to be. I wanted to be much more hands-on and yeah. with the artists. And, uh, from there, uh, we took a meeting the next day with the beauty school dropout boys, Cole and Barter went to their studio downtown and it was like, they were showing us this, this new, like kind of rock stuff. And I was like, I just had been thinking about it for a long time. I was like, I feel like rock is going to come back yeah. and like their energy and like what they had in their presence and just everything about them was like, yeah, these guys are it. And they so, are. you know, from there really just got them like, you know, a bunch of random meetings. Like one of our first meetings with, with was with Randy Jackson from American Idol, <laughs> but he's very involved in a lot of stuff. Like that guy has his hands in a ton of stuff. And he was one of the people that I, I had met prior when i was still looking for a job he's so pretty gotta, cool he's pretty cool so many fist bumps yeah if he's if he likes something that you say it's always a fist bump nice <laughs> nice which is great and he's awesome but anyways bunch of random meetings like yeah. that you know label meetings whatever just to kind of just show that we were like building something and had the grit for it and then COVID happened which was honestly a blessing for them yeah because uh, it just gave us the chance to hunker down and really focus on building the brand, writing a ton of music. They were writing a ton of music for other artists like Trevor Daniel or like Swayco or like other artists. So it really got them to like chop up their songwriting stuff. So now they have, you know, I don't know, like 200 songs in the bank that we'll probably never see the light of day. But it happens. That's what Sharpen the tools, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then you came along around that point too. Yeah, dude. I mean, I came along because I saw your the band like was crushing it with the they they were crushing it on TikTok and they had the format down of like doing like cover songs for like thirty seconds or something. Yeah. And the framing was perfect. Like it stayed consistent. The framing was there. I don't know if it just came on like my for you page, but it was it was the song Mood by Twenty Four K Golden mm-hmm. and Cole's version of Mood. And I mean, I have goosebumps even thinking about it right now, dude. That shit was so good, and I. Don't even know. I was like, saw it, and this is right around a year into us, you know, creating our indie rock label. We want to stay in the, just like you, we knew there'd be a renaissance of rock. Like, we knew rock was going to come back. We want to stay in the rock lane. 100%. Yeah. And disclaimer, it was a really, really fair deal that they presented us. I'll get there. I'm going to get on the deal part because we did, because it was funny because I'll get there in a second. So I saw that on, on TikTok or Instagram, and I don't know how Adam Walker came into the picture, but maybe I was talking to him because he was someone I produced with before. But he all of a sudden just like knew you or he knew the band. Mm-hmm. He, maybe I posted, I think I posted on my story. That was it. I think I posted my story. Adam saw it. He was like, I know the manager. He talked to you. And then you kind of did your little background on me and we got acquainted. And um, I was just like blown away. I'm like, dude, this band is like the next Motley crew of like what LA's looking for. That like the rock renaissance we keep speaking of. Mm-hmm. Like I saw that in them and I believed that hard how the energy they're bringing to the forefront. Um, and yeah, next thing I think you came over the house with Nick uh, Lippman and mm-hmm. Jacoby, other partner Nick Lippman, yeah, Mr. Lippman, legendary, legendary guy mm-hmm. in the Mantry world. Um, and I remember it was like us at the table, like Wade and 
David and Colin and I think Mayor who was with us at the time and we all kind of sat there like eight of us and like and Nick's just like all right so what's what's going on here like what are you guys like doing like the house the vibe like what's going on and we explained you know production company your label you know where we we want to develop out with you guys we have no label services creative services um but yeah it's a fast forward I mean you're still doing that What's that? The label side? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Crew Kings are like the main marquee people on the label now. I mean, we started doing singles. Like, that's what we were pitching you guys on by doing singles and EPs. And now it's more like we want to do EPs and longer term projects. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just hard working singles, like getting into those rooms with the Randy Jackson people or whoever. And like, you have a single, like, well, what's the follow up? What's the project? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there needs to be more substance there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that being said, though, yeah. So, we loved you guys, knew something would work out, but we went to Wade's old former management company, like Third Brain, and we're just like, you know, we knew that you guys came and you're like, yo, if you guys hit us up like a month before, we might be interested. There's something on the table right now, like, and that's really prosperous. We need to take on. But we went to like Third Brain and like tried getting more money from Third Brain to give to you guys. Mm-hmm. We just tried everything we could to like make beauty school drop persistent. We, yeah, we were Danny persistent. Was blowing my lineup. I was blowing like you up, month. dude. Dude, I saw him like, dude, this band is B. Because I was working like Machine on Kelly and the and you know Post Malone people and seeing like this was like 2021 and like seeing how that they were like Post was moving to Utah, they were fading out. I saw beauty school drop out being the next thing in this whole like Hollywood scene. Um, and as the like a renaissance of the eighties of like Molly Crew style or mm-hmm. all the rock. So I was so into it and I was so into you. I mean, that's a big part of what we do too. We don't want to work with people we don't like and we need to be able to mesh with them. So like you off the bat were awesome and so was Jacoby and Nick. But, you know, we stay, yeah, I blew you up. And I think like, I remember I was in Virginia and I called you or something like we had the deal from Third Brain and then you're like, we just signed like, Literally, like, I think it was like a day before, maybe it was like a couple hours before. Mm-hmm. And we were deflated, but we all stayed, we understood. And the thing, the funny thing is, you did a deal with like someone I knew, like Ben. Ben Farber. Yeah, yeah. he's coming on the show tomorrow. Coming on tomorrow. Right? Ooh. Yeah. I called Ben actually yesterday. I was like, oh, I heard you're on the show. I was like, wow, they're really just handing out free, <laughs> free podcasts to anybody, huh? Pretty much. <laughs> Which, just kidding, Ben is actually one of like, literally, in my opinion, one of the most like, just authentic yeah has the insane potential to just be running whatever giant label he's gonna be at yeah i met him when he was at pandora radio and uh yeah yeah and he was one of my first opportunities as a videographer i was shooting pandora events through a mutual friend jess jennings shout out jess because she'll get mad if i don't say that um with ben but yeah i met ben through her like 2014 15 and he was just such a nice friendly guy authentic and like love Blink One Eight Two, love the rock scene, and I feel like yeah. I met Ben. I was back in like after college. I was just trying to like, on top of the promoting and managing, I also had a side job working for a cannabis company that did like they have a machine. It's called Futurola. They have a machine that rolls a hundred joints in two minutes. Jesus Christ! Or like grinders that grind like five pounds in four seconds. Like <laughs> very industrial. Like very much the picks and shovels in the gold mine. These guys are absolutely crushing did it. Did you now. bring any today? I can get one here. We can get it. We can get it real quick. Um, Long story short, I was doing trade shows for them and so on. And we did like something at like High Times Village at Life is Beautiful in Vegas. Yeah. And I think Ben, I just seen him. I saw he had an artist wristband on and I was like, oh shit, what's your name? Always. We just started talking. He's like, oh, I'm at Pandora. I'm like, oh, I'll see you later. Maybe for the Blink show or whatever because Blink was playing that night. And I got his Instagram number, and then we just kind of stayed. I just kind of bothered him every once in a while after that mm. and just kind of stayed in in contact. And then he also really liked the band when, I, when like, the timing was right to show him. And uh, I know you guys would have done a great job, but they also did an absolute – they got us, I don't know, like 14 editorial playlists. On yeah, it. no. Dude, I'm, I'm not mad that we lost out to Ben Farber on it. When you <laughs> told me it was Ben, because you guys didn't tell us who it was with, you like – we knew it wasn't a major, but we knew it was someone kind of like us that's in a unique situation mm-hmm. with like savant people behind that. And then when I found out it was Ben, it was just like, okay, I, that's a, that's fair. Like, that's so fair. Well, and I was so happy too. We all, that I even told Ben, I was like, yeah. And then we all worked together, even making music videos still. Yeah. Um, I mean, with version three. Ben Farber is a great person for everybody to know when you see him tomorrow. I know. I'm excited for him to come on from the he, label's perspective and whatever. Which is great. And he's, we're, I'm actually working on right now. And, we're finalizing a deal to uh, sign a country artist 
someone I'm helping out right now and that he's over the moon about, which I'm, I am too. She's yeah. absolutely incredible. Um, because Ben Farber was at Warner. He does the rock playlisting and sales editorial, but also now he's, well, I mean, he'll tell you, but anyway, he's doing country and he did all of Zach Bryan's stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, out. I saw him do so that. It's like the perfect person. Yeah. And they're just such amazing people. The company's called V3 and Josh Apple's his partner. And just, they've kind of cap, they've kind of really like dialed in what a, a label distribution situation should be, right? Because yeah. everybody's looking for editorial playlists. At the end of the day, that doesn't like really move the needle as much as everyone wants it to. Like if you need that organic promo from TikTok, from, you know, just touring, like all that stuff. But they do an insane job of getting editorial playlists. Yeah, no, and, dude. And Sirius XM and like... They have the connections. They've built it over the years. They're and, very picky about who they work with. So yeah. to testament to, I guess, Beauty School Dropout, like they were the first artists out of the gate for them. And so for us, it was like a a risk worth taking because they were going to put, you know, 150% into it to make sure that it was a success because at the end of the day, it's their reputation on the line too. Mm-hmm. So, But it worked out. No, yeah, that's awesome. And then... But um, maybe we could have won a Grammy if we went with you guys by now. So you never know. You never know. <laughs> you never know. But the cool thing is, like, yeah, you never know what comes down the line. Um, I don't know what you guys... So then you guys started moving with uh, this new label, though, right? You have a new label. Right now. Yeah. Like, currently. Yeah. Like the Same new- situation. First artist signed. So the company's called Versewired. Yeah. Headed by um, an amazing lady named Sherry Sahidi. Actually, Nick Littman's a part of that. And then Pete Wentz from Fallout Boy mm-hmm. is a strategic advisor. And then Mark Hoppus from Blink-182 yeah. has taken on like an A&R role for the band. Yeah. And that in itself, I mean, first off... The, That's so cool, by the way. I, I mean, mean like, yeah, you can't ask for You can't ask for a better like Avengers lineup of people. Like, no. That's why like, uh, yeah, like we lost out on Beautiful Dropout. I, but I just don't care because the people we lost out to were Ben Farber and then went to like Blink-182 and that. And my only testament that I bring it, I'm like, at least I saw like what we're, where it was going to go and it is going. Yeah, you got so I recognized idea, it at least, but yeah. I mean, yeah. And it's, uh, the, the label's really interesting, brand new structure. Like I feel like there's a lot of, a ton of labels that pop up now where they're like, oh, we're super artist friendly, blah, 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 blah. We do this, this and that. And then as soon as the paperwork comes around, it's like a third of what they said it was going to be on there is on there and everything else is like totally like, you just like scratch your head like what? Yeah. But in this situation, hyper artist friendly, just like we have a, an amazing deal. Um, and it also came with Mark Hoppus as the A&R and it's like, you know, that's like Beavis is, plays the bass and does production too. Like it's their idols, you know, like mm-hmm. that's what they grew up playing. That's why they play the bass. You know what I mean? So to Same. have that a part of it, well, on top of that, you know, it's like when we're, you know, I'm a big believer, you know, like I think there's a lot of great A&Rs out there, but the best A&Rs I've ever come across, whether that's label, whether that's at a label or publishing, like are true, like producer artist A&Rs mm-hmm. that like are in it for the music side of it. And like everybody's in it for the music side of it to an extent, but the perspective from like a producer A&R that can also have like very poignant and critical feedback on the song is really, really important because for me, it's like, I I can, it depends on my client, but I will be like, you know, I'll always be honest, but I'll probably give a lot less feedback to some clients versus others. But when you have a legend like Mark Hoppus, who is giving you feedback and more often than not, he's like pretty damn right. And then on top of that, when Mark Hoppus calls another big producer, that producer is going to answer the phone yeah. and is also going to take the session because mm-hmm. it's him, you know, and he's attached to it. So in that sense, like creatively and the music, you can tell like just being in this on this label and having the opportunity to work with just amazing producers. And the boys are amazing writers, writers too, by themselves. Yeah. But to also have those like bigger producers that have done some of the biggest records in the world, a part of it is just like on everything the rec because everything starts with the music you know Mm -hmm. the record side is like if you don't have a good song like there's just not longevity in that and like we've been definitely on like a slow trajectory but very fast but for us we're we're totally fine with that because everybody you know humbly has believed and believes that they will beauty school dropout will be the biggest band in the world yeah 
I love that, man. I mean, you guys just came off like a tour playing in arenas. Yeah. What was that? What was that like for what, how the boys wild. feel? How do you feel? Like, what was that like? It was great. I mean, just obviously there's the excitement of like, we had always like, you know, maybe we'll get on that Blink-182 tour. It'd be sick. Like, and then I remember when I heard that Turnstile was opening, just like before it was announced. And I was like, oh no. I was bummed because I was like, the boys, boys are going to be so like, they'd be so hyped to play that. Like even just to open for Turnstile in general would just mm-hmm. be insane. Cause they're yeah. just like, one. they're like, Every I feel like everybody's favorite rock band, even yeah. your your favorite rock band's favorite rock band, you know. So I was like, oh man, what are we gonna do? And like, honestly, we got the offer to play it like a month before. So we were already on tour with uh, Jaden JXDN, mm-hmm. which is an amazing tour for us. So great, it was pretty much him and us, and there was always just a big family environment on that tour, anyways. And um, and then we got the news that we're doing the Blink-182 tour for 11 dates. Because I guess how, how it worked was Mark got to pick his people. Travis gets to pick his people. Yeah. And then... Um, Tom. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, you're good. I did not remember that for a second. No, you're good. Tom gets to pick his people. Yeah. And so for us, it was like, wow, we really need to make sure that we hit this out of the park. And not just on stage. Like the onstage performance was important. But to be very honest, the most important part for us was everything backstage to make sure that like we took up as little room as possible. We did what we were told. We showed up early. We made friends with every single person on that staff and that crew. Cause there was probably like, I don't know, like a hundred people. They had like 25 semi trucks, yeah, 15 tour buses. Like <laughs> it's a big tour, a lot of people for there, sure. but we made sure that we like moved super you know, super quietly, but clean and like ended up after the Madison Square Garden show just being, you know, everybody was singing our praises like crazy. And, you know, the obviously the hope is to get invited back out, you know, for w- one of their other legs in Europe or yeah whatever. But well, it's, it's also important what you just said, like it's a testament, just be be like nice and like kind and, you know, grateful to all those people on that, you know, 100 person team because yeah like it takes a lot to do all those tours and mm-hmm. you're on the road for a long time and you're not you know in the best sleeping conditions you're you know yeah, high pressure brutal. conditions but also that person that might be like fourth you know electrician might eventually be a lighting director one day 100%. and they will remember Buscal Drapa and the way you guys treated them in five six years from now and you know so it's all that's why but we, that's so, very like yeah. you said that's so valuable to be just try you have to be nice to everybody I yeah. mean like it's just the most important it's like it's one of the most important things because especially in the touring world like that's a very small world yeah like a very small world. yeah we're learning right now we're gearing up for like crooked kings like america tour they're doing like 42 cities and we're getting this tm that's giving us quotes right now for buses and it's just new to me and our squad but yeah it's like learning that yeah there's tight circle tight world tight like they have their they have their ways did you talk to mark in europe uh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna talk to you, Mark, and you're up. This Rad. is this is the America section, but then yeah, we're definitely Rad. told Wade. Yeah, Those we guys got are sick. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested in that. They did a really good job for us on our on our last run just now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just being there because the world is so small. Like it could literally be like the head of production being like, "Yeah, those guys sucked," and they're like, "Yeah, maybe we don't want them out here." Mm-hmm. And it could be that easy and that quick, you know, just because of one stupid thing. Like even the people at the g- security at the gate, like it's like is have to be nice to everybody because word goes around and it'd be such a shame you know to have such an amazing opportunity like squandered because of just something so stupid you know and on tour you know tempers do get high sometimes but like it's about controlling that and like being a family and like making sure that everybody is on the same page and communicating and that the team is like tight-knit and at the end of the day if you're on like the if you're not the artist and you're the tour manager or the manager or whatever you just got to always remember that you're not the rock star yeah that's That's the biggest important thing for everyone there too for even on our production level it's like it's a team sport you have 12 hours to knock this out and like yeah there's no there shouldn't be any egos because it's for the project and the artists is we're here for them like we're not here for you and your thing like we're here sign up to create with them and for them and yeah exactly you know um, but yeah, that's really cool. What, uh, did you hit up a lot of the shows where you got shows? Yeah, I was there for probably about like seven of them. Which was your favorite? Madison Square Garden. That's, I mean, yeah, that's gotta <laughs> be just iconic. Like pretty sweet. I think it was a great moment. Unfortunately, like we had, 
we did like a big MTV live thing. Oh that yeah, I think day I saw two, that. Which was amazing. Great production. Like I was always like, dang, there's like 40 people. Was that like a modern day, like TRL kind of modern thing? Modern day TRL. Exactly. Was it literally like Times how Square, they're trying to do like the new, same is this, exact place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, which ended up getting us to like Madison Square Garden very late. Oh. And then that Madison Square Garden is a union venue. Mm. So we got there at like 5.45. And of course the union goes on an hour break from 6 to 7. And we go on at 7.30. So it was like, oh my that God. Sucks. And when they go on break, you can't touch anything. Yeah. You If you walk on the stage, you get fined 10 grand, like stuff like that, right? Like you really? can't pick up yeah. your own stuff. Like they have to do it for you. And so... But this this specific venue... Or uh, there's a few. I mean, if or it like really, the crew was no, no, no. It's the okay. uh, it's the venue. Okay. Cool. So it all depends. There's some venues are union, some venues aren't. Gotcha. And um, our stuff was left down in the bottom because they couldn't get a forklift down there fast enough. Mm-hmm. So we're here. Like we didn't sound check. We didn't line check. We have done nothing, and we have to go on at seven thirty. And arguably, you know, the most iconic show ever. So everybody's stressed the fuck out, yeah. like stressed out, which should have been just such a great moment. Mm-hmm. But since we kind of packed in the day, which was I'm thankful we did, and we definitely handled it, it was like all of a sudden we had from seven o'clock to get our stuff from down below, and then ready to play at seven thirty. Yeah. So it was like nonstop. So fortunately, unfortunately, um, not everybody got to really soak in the experience. Yeah, because it was very hectic yeah. and stressful. What's the most important? you as the manager in that situation or put in any other situation like that, what's like, what's the most important like manager trait you try to like, you know, bring it to just keep everybody calm. Right. Don't like, I think I used to like, I definitely would have in that situation six years ago been like freaked out. Yeah. But it's like, you know, if you have, we had really good people in place to help, you know, cause if it comes down to me plugging in a playback or a, uh, IEM rig, which is, in your monitor rig, like, see ya. Yeah. It's not happening. <laughs> it's not my role, you know? So if you yeah. have good people that fill those tech roles and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, just hire good people mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah. That know what they're doing. People that, you know, it's, it's okay to cut budgets in some places, but on tour, you definitely want people that know what they're doing. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Their values definitely has a lot to do with the outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But shout out to the boys too. I mean, they're super Cole, Bardo, Brent, Coley, Bardo, Beepus, and Mike, Mike Rose, our drummer, like yeah. they really seize the moment. And these guys are really DIY still and like just masters of what they do. And they're so passionate. They work so hard. Like every waking moment of their life is about beauty school dropout. Right. Are they still live in that same mm-hmm. uh, place. Yeah. Yeah. All together. All three of them. No, Beepus just moved in with his, his lady Royal and the serpent. Cool. Yeah, she's is great. also awesome. She's on tour with Fall Out Boy right now. Nice. And Beepus is also playing bass for her now for the next couple of weeks. Oh, that's on cool. That tour. That's great. It's great to do that stuff. Yeah, like that's Beepus what he does, and Bardo does a lot of producing. That's sick. I mean, one thing I give your guys credits like they're always doing these writer camps with people in the space, like Jaden and mm-hmm. and Dasha, like and other people. I mean, Invernus. I've worked with Invernus before. Yeah. On a video, it's really cool. Like that community that they have, that circle they have, and them doing like the writer camps. And like, I see them going to get Airbnbs and staying over there for the weekend and making yeah. music. That's awesome. No, it's been great. And I think it's something we'll look back on 10 years from now and be like, yeah, that's how, that's the stuff that we saw, you know, the people in the eighties, nineties and music doing, and you guys are doing it. They're doing it. I was listening. I was talking, I forget who I was talking to like in the past couple of days, somebody who knows what he's talking about. Yeah. They were just saying it's, it's like, once you like, take like the music part and like when they're when you're making music it has it's like if you're not thinking about you know how my fans going to receive this or how like the label is going to like this or is this going to work with our image and you just sit there and you make music like that's where the real power is he was even telling a story about like michael jackson where like michael jackson was recording one of his later albums and they took eight months to do it and at the end of it he was like, okay, that's good. Let's, we're wiping everything now. We're going to keep one song. It was one of his, one of big songs towards the end, but he was doing that because he just loved making music so much. And it, he wasn't thinking about like his fan base. He's already Michael Jackson anyway. So it's yeah. like, it doesn't really matter at that point. But at the same time, like loved making music and he was just making the music and not thinking about anything else. Yeah. 
And I think that is something from what I've been seeing a lot and who I've heard talk about it in sessions and stuff. That's when I really see the best stuff come out. Definitely. Yeah. We've done that like with the Cricket Kings, like the first album, we just like rented a house in like St. George, Utah and went with the Kings and us before on the label and the producer and just stayed away for a week and just made the stuff. And even right now they're here for a month, like got them Airbnb and Silver Lake and they just like recorded an album and made it with Daywave. But yeah, it's all about just like putting yourself in that environment. You know what the secret the sauce is? Tell us. Meditating. Dude, it was, man. I feel very, it's the way. <laughs> for everything. And we even hit like meditations before they go on shows and stuff. Yeah. Like we'll hit the green room real quick for like even just two minutes. And it's really cool to do that in big groups too of just like all of a sudden our agents are there and like our label people are like the band and then like some random production person are like, all right, we're going to meditate now. And everyone kind of just does it. Yeah. It's a special moment. Like we did just now. Yeah. Everyone here. That was good. No, that was a great way to start. So is that like the pre ritual? What's the rituals? I mean, it all, every night is different. Yeah. It just depends on how many, you know, how fast, like what everybody's doing before the show and like going in and out and stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, back to like saying like you guys still do like DIY stuff, like, kind of goes into a story that i have like i directed the demons video for beauty school yeah, dropout it was here in this house i don't know if we did a scene in here i don't think we did a scene well, I'm saying, here. but in this house no i know no, no, no but it was in this house i don't think we did we did it all like scenes all over the place but i was on the podcast with one of our other acts like last week uh nightcap is the band but he was like wasn't there a time a cop came here and like just hung <laughs> out with y'all i'm like yes yeah, so i kind of talked about that but it's so funny because we were we were talking about that. I'm like, dude, and that was... he came. That same cop came to our show a month later. Yes, and brought his wife. Yes, and he moshed. I'm pretty sure too. he moshed. Yeah. He sent me a photo of him moshing. <laughs> so sick. And it was just so funny because yeah, we made this music video in the house because we were strapped a budget, and I just wanted to make something cool with you guys and use what I had at my disposal. And the cop, you know, came at like one in the morning. Was like, hey, you guys are being loud, but. It doesn't really look like you're being loud. What are you doing? I'm like, man, I'm just trying to make a rock video for a band. I'm trying to sign or whatever I said. And there was like fake drugs everywhere, like fake cocaine and fake heroin. And but he knew right away that it was fake. But he's like, yeah, like I used to be in a rock band. And he did a quick test. He yeah, like, yeah, he did a little it's test. Fake, it's fake. Yeah, and he but then he he stayed. Uh, he came in and he stayed for three hours watching us just shoot the scenes while so we were cool. shooting scenes. Security. Yeah. yeah, security. Literally had the sirens in the street going. And like, <laughs> the neighbor whoever called the cops was like, yeah, he's totally fucking them. I know, They're I know. done. And now, little does he know, like, we became friends after that, and he loved you. And we have a good picture of like, him like uh, arresting Cole. Like, yeah, it was great. It's a good clickbait for the video. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was so fun. that uh, you just And that was a testament. Like, you just don't judge a book by its cover. You never know who's going to be cool and supportive and uh that guy was awesome and that yeah was we should story. get him back out to another show probably you should you should try to you did you do a tiktok funny tiktok with him like arresting i don't know if he was I able think to do we that had a video or something or a photo i don't remember i think he'll do stuff for us that can push the push the narrative never hurts to have that connection yeah no that was fun um your music videos lately you guys did you do that europe one you did or you're trying to do that europe music video where you took it was a clever mm-hmm. idea you had a great idea of taking everyone's phones yeah, um, it would have been good. I think we're going to just have that live as just like external content. Yeah. Um, rather than like like the, our last release that's out now, Dying to Be You, was pretty much like all footage of the Blink Tour. Mm-hmm. So I think going from Blink Tour to like 60 people in a in a room for an official video after that sure. would be kind of weird. Yeah, but you guys are all at the forefront of always thinking about how to create good content. I mean, that's how I found you was creating that content. Yeah, and I, I see it's like it's a blessing to be a band because you can divide and conquer and self-motivate. Like yeah. it's really I feel like for some solo artists like it's very difficult because you have to always self-motivate to make it and there's so much pressure to do it like which I feel bad and at the end of the day like that's why I started making TikToks cuz I didn't want to ask my clients to do something that I wasn't doing myself. That's good. That's good idea. And it's like, hey, see, I'm doing it too. Now you have to do I know. it. Oh, I seven tried, days a week. But even though I didn't do that or I don't, but. No, I tried exactly that like last month. I was like, I'm going to post Curry King's like song every day. Like me just doing whatever they do, like mm-hmm. day four, day five of them trying to blow up their song. And I think I stopped that for like six. Yeah. But I tried to show them like, I'm going to try it. But they do it really well too. But yeah. some of our other our acts don't do it as much. They don't see it. But that's a good motivating factor. It is. I mean, I guess it really depends on the on the client strategy too. Like and like what, I mean, you guys and Wade, shout out to Wade. Like he's a strategy strategy guru. I feel like I feel like he's always got a plan. Yeah. Know, for you and you guys, always have a plan for like. 
all your guys' releases and there's always like something, you know, different and extra, which I think is awesome. Yeah. I actually ran into your your boys. Um I took the same plane home from London with the yeah. band. The band? They're so good. Nike uh, Orange. No, squeeze. Oh, squeeze. the main squeeze. Main squeeze. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're good. Yes, they're all super rad. We had a great oh, chat. Oh yeah, they're so special live. And they did a, a full tour, right? They were like yeah. two weeks. Yeah, they're a really good jam band that just tours greatly out there. And like, the guitarist can rip for twenty minutes. The fucking solo, the vocalist Corey is amazing. Which Ladies. is wild about Europe yeah. because you'll see like, Europe fans understand the assignment. Yeah, like no hate on American fans and whatever, but like they like just so respectful but like they'll start clapping on the first song without even asking them you know during the hook or whatever and there'll be giant mosh pits because they just want to do it and they get it and as soon as you if you ask them to make a mosh pit it's like yeah parted done yeah. go for it and yeah. then it goes nuts that's actually exactly what yesterday's podcast or tuesday's with jordan wazi one of my directors because he was mgk's tour videographer going ever in the world yeah but he said the exact is he still no, nah, no, not anymore. I don't know um, if you did. You see that picture of MGK that someone I don't know who took. I'm going to pull it up. Yeah, pull it, it up. Was, what it today or this week? No, it was uh, maybe a few weeks ago of him. Sam, Sam Cahill's is like guy now. This photo is like oh, I think, I think one I of the saw, most iconic I think I photos I've ever about. seen in my life. It was a show photo, right? Yeah, yeah. I think Sam took it. Insane. Sam's great. I felt like. I post. I remember I reposted, and someone mm-hmm. was like, "I feel like that photographer sold his soul for this photo." <laughs> Wait, I think did you put that caption or no? Someone else did. No, I think someone else did. But it, where is it? Oh, I want to find it so badly. It's um, like a, a picture of him with his spiked hair. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's like he's like from the back Saruman. of him. It's like kind of like over the shoulder. It's like yeah, I know what you're talking about. But to the, what I was gonna say was was um, said the same thing you just said about the Europe like fans and like the Russian mosh pit, like he was like, there's a Russian mosh pit I was in, they're but nuts. they're nuts. And they, but they, he said the same thing. They understand the assignment of like that what is. is being asked. I don't know if you guys can pull that up. Oh yeah. No, we'll pull that up. Yeah. That's a fire it. photo. Yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. It's like, something. <laughs> it looks like, a, I don't know. It looks like he's in like, yeah, more it almost looks like AI generated too. Could be it. No, it's not. It's not. No, but it could be. Yeah, that's you're right. No. That's awesome. Yeah, no, Sam's a beast. They have uh, good stuff. But yeah, Europe, I just got back from Europe, man. I fucking love to be in Europe. And yeah, we have a Europe tour in November. Excited to do that. Are you going to go? Yeah. Oh, I'm going the whole time. There I'm going to document. I'm going to be like their tour, like videographer, document guy. I mean, I'm going to like hit nice. up people in the cities. In the dirt. I'm going I'm to hold the camera again. I'm going to bring it back to the roots. But it's the whole month of November. So what's next for you then on the film side? Next for me on the film side And then is, we're going to pivot into the writer and actor strike because I have a lot of questions about that. Yeah, well, I can answer as much as I can. But the film stuff, we just did a bunch of like films this quarter, like uh, or Q- Q2 I'm talking about. But dope. Yeah, we did like three short Out films, one feature film. Um, those are cool to do. And music videos are, you know, still there. But like, you know, like we just said about, you know, musical dropout, you just got to get scrappy with it because I believe too, from your standpoint, it's like, what's the ROI for this video that's going to get me like these videos can, I can make TikTok videos and get the song blown up or I can make a three minute cinematic music video. And well, tell me, talk, let's talk about that then yeah. because I feel like for me, as long as like my clients are creatively happy with the content, I truly don't care what the content is, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of like rule. I am leaning right now towards the rule of thought of like, Instead of making one big music video, let's make like five little ones. I agree. I just said this to a manager at like 12 o'clock with Jesse. We had a meeting and the manager, um, you know, you know, just same position. I understood him and he was like, yeah, like, you know, I'm just trying to figure out the ROI and this. But I was like, yeah, we don't need to do like a long cinematic narrative music video. What we can do is rent like a location and get some props and know what we're going to make music videos to the sound you want to push on TikTok Mm -hmm. and do that segment recorded 10, 12 different times, Uh, you know, different props come in, different find a location that is versatile set design Mm -hmm. and just try to like record for for what your, you know, platform is going to be if it's TikTok or YouTube shorts Mm -hmm. and gear it to that. And 
yeah, I mean, that's what we told him. He's like, oh, that's like a great idea. Yeah, I'd love to talk to you more about that. So, yeah, I mean, look, I have two heads, two brains to this, right? Me as a music producer in the film stuff, I'm doing with like Oliver, Melanie Martinez. I get their aesthetic. They need to have long videos for their audiences and that's Makes where sense. they are. Yeah. If you have a big audience, you might as well do it. Yeah. But like, we're talking maybe up and coming. Sure. And Kruger Kings are an example. Like for me right now, like I don't want to break the bank on the dudes. I want to spend more money on marketing. Yeah. And I'm fortunate they have a team in Salt Lake City that's down to get scrappy with it. And we're planning out their next one for, you know, a couple thousand. But yeah, like to the point being, we can just kind of like make videos that we know we're going to post on the, the right platforms in those kind of segment in maybe the 30 second, you know, parts that were even scripted. Maybe we have an actor in a car and doing things, but we know that's going to be the sound we're going to push. Right. Um, and we know what ROI can come from that, those segments rather than let's do a whole video. Let's see what cuts up and let's work. Um, yeah, we're down. We're trying that approach. And I think that's yeah, the right too. approach. at the It moment. also depends on the client too and yeah. what the situation is. But I find, I feel like now, like say you're, your give your artists, up and coming artists signs a, a, a distribution label deal. Sure. It's fifteen grand in marketing, and it's signed for an EP with an option. Whatever, signed to the EP, and you got that fifteen thousand dollars. It's like, how do I spend that fifteen thousand dollars the best way? Mm -hmm. And how we've been thinking about it is PR. No offense to the publicists. <sighs> gone because mm -hmm. no one reads that stuff anyways yeah. although it's good to get that sometimes for like an industry look if you get the rolling stones yeah. or whatever it's like oh wow they're on rolling stones put on the instagram like that makes sense yeah realistically that budget should be spent on maybe some ads if you have someone who's ridiculous and knows how to pinch a pinch a budget mm -hmm. and content yeah that's it. Yeah. Short form content. And, and try to stay on UGC content, like user generated content. That's, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah, like the platform TikTok and stuff, like I'm not on as much as I should be. Um, I just can't do it anymore. But like, um, you know, they're scrolling through. They want to see like per people's authenticity. They want to see like the person's face and like what they're talking about. And we found that was worth the best for my guys and your guys too. But yeah, like, I mean, that's that's where I would spend the money too is like figuring out how to do ads or figure out what accounts to go on to, like, mm -hmm. you know, spending money on the right, you know, social media stuff. Yeah, social yeah. media community stuff. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But that's the thing. And we also learned that the hard way, like, I feel like, and it's always really depends on the song too. Like, you know, right. like the, the artists that are blown up on TikTok who's managed by my good friend Mike, you know, Flannaboss. I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. Mm. Have you not seen the the girls? They're, they're like running through like McDonald's or running through a supermarket and they're rapping. Like I said, I've, I'm not on TikTok like I well, should I'll be. show you. Right, show so like up. there's one way to do it, right? Like they have got a song that works really well for that like, oh, like I want to watch that again. And then they also have a concept of them like the filming concept, right? Where they're running. I'll well, show you. that sounds like you hit a home run. Like when you pair up all those things together, it stars align and that's the right thing to run with. And they're like every video they post is like, and they just kind of can re repeat the shit. Let me see. Oh shit. We'll show this on the thing. I wonder if they're filming that too. Someone just super stable with their hand, just like running, might be on a helmet. In the back That'd of them. That'd be dope. How can someone be running backwards this fucking fast? But it's and dope it's because they do this running thing, and then now they're like in the comments, like dropping the comments where we should run next. And then oh, that's cool. And then yeah, yeah. there's someone's in McDonald's, and they're all of a sudden running through a McDonald's. No, that's but like, great. That stuff works, but like that's not going to happen every time, right? Yeah. Like, I, um, I don't know if like, you know, some of my clients would necessarily like even feel comfortable shooting content like that. I have clients that are definitely not comfortable with right? the things we pitch them. So if you have $10,000 to spend on content, it's like you should just stack it with as many freaking content ideas. Content ideas and also shoots as you can. Like you yeah. just want as much stuff as possible to just yeah. be consistent. Because we're having like, just had a call with TikTok, one of their head people there, and they're just saying like, like at this day and age to stay like if you're posting three times a week like you're just puttering by you know if you're posting 
you're just getting by with they, three what TikToks. What do they suggest? Three TikToks a week, you're getting by. Five, you're maintaining and maybe see some growth. Seven days a week, you're excelling. So one day, one, one day a, a week. Day. That's all you do. Yeah. You don't have to do any more than that every day, but like as long as content is out there, you know, and if your ideas start to click like what they did, mm-hmm. like and it works for her, their brand and it works for your brand, like then you will, you know, then it'll happen. Like, yeah. You're just, you're at the end of the day, you're just hurting yourself if you're not posting those, that content. I agree. At the end of the day, like as long as you're like, and at the end of the day, like, and this is from my perspective as like, not necessarily like forefront a creative, like, of course you want that content to be something that you're proud of, but at the same time, like the TikTok memory span is so short. Like as long as it's not going to like burn your career or cancel you or something like worst case, someone just watches it for three seconds and scrolls. Yeah. And they're going to completely forget about that piece of content that you did. As long as you sound good and you look good and it is what it is like, but they should treat it like, like what I'm moving more into is commercials right now and commercial campaigns. And like the ways that these brands want to see are honestly, they want to see my director's 15 second, like promotional advertisement things that they can make for like Coca-Cola. We did Mm -hmm. something with Sharpie recently like I'm showing these 15 second verticals of the Sharpie thing to the brands. And they're like, yeah, we like that. And take that same, like that's, that's the same thing for the music stuff. It's like, yeah, some of these people don't want to do that stuff, but like, this is the stuff that eventually will get you the work where ad, the ad world wants to see anyways. Um, so but, I mean, do you think content on TikTok should be overproduced or underproduced? Um, I think it should be, if there was a world to be in the middle, but I'd say more leaning towards underproduced. Like I think, I think from what I'm seeing, my perspective is like the UGC stuff or the stuff that's like that, like, you know, right in your face is like the, what people are going to be more inclined to. I think I just had one of our artists do something that was overproduced on TikTok like the last week. And I didn't like it. I thought it was too much camera shifting, like the framing. I thought it was too much for like what this TikTok audience probably wants. So I think sometimes overproduced hurts you. What in do you my guys opinion. think? Underproduced. Yeah. It's unanimous. Overproduced. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, this is like uh, that I love about all them because they're in the positions more than I am. Like they're in the forefront. So like we always like show them songs, we're showing videos. Nice. Like, well, what it's you good think? to have you. Know? Like my yeah. partner Nick Lemon, he's got a ten and twelve year old. Yeah. So like, he's always running to? stuff, looking at them, like always watching what they're doing. You know, it's like, honestly, I don't. They I, love YouTube. I'm, I guess my I'm 12 getting, year old nephew loves YouTube. Well, it's YouTube's weird. always great. Yeah. And we kind of forget about that. But I guess, you know, I'm turning 30 next weekend. Nice. And I feel like I'm becoming a geezer because I don't really consume content on TikTok. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm 33. I use Instagram. Yeah, I, I can't. That's what I was saying. Like, I'm not I'm dating myself on this, but I'm like 33. I can't be on this app anymore longer than like five minutes. I find it like obnoxious in my face yeah and like again like that's just me but uh i'm just trying yeah. to stay off i i'm on my phone way too much and like i have recently now like if i go out to dinner with friends or something like i'm like you're the guy that's like I put might, the phone in the middle i'll do of the that table. for sure but i might almost i might also just leave my phone at the house really you'll do I'm, that and i'm like this is this a good idea this seems really dumb <laughs> That's and then going it ends up, far. to be honest, I recently I've had some of the most, some of the best dinners and evenings without a cell phone in my hand or my pocket. Are you just golf on your golf cart? Golf in the golf cart down Yeah, but the thing is, I'll check, like, when, all of a sudden I'll feel like there's a stale moment at the dinner or, like, people are talking and I'm, like, not really that engaged. You go for your phone. I'll go for my phone. I'm like, oh, I don't have it. And so then I re-engage and then I actually end up having, like, a way better time and more of, like, a great interaction Cause it's at home, like it's not there. Even if it's on the table, it's still like my precious. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, fucked up. That's good. That takes a lot of I like. That takes a lot of like um, disassociation to leave the phone and feeling like yeah, you can do that. Right. Well, and it's also just there's so much like the the teams the teams that I'm that I work with and I operate around like with Beauty School Dropout with Anthony Ortiz and with this new client. Um, it's like everybody is mamba mentality and if you don't answer an email within 12 hours they're gonna be like why don't you answer that email?" Yeah. and i'm like Oof. 
Give me a break. Yeah, let me live my life. Is this life or death? I always ask this, like, is someone dying? Like, is someone dying here? Like, yeah. do I need... Is, is, no, yeah. but at the same time, it's like you look at it and you try to find that work-life balance. And that's why I'm yeah. really thankful. I live in Venice on the kind of pretty damn near on the beach. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm out there, you know, at least once a day trying to, like, relax and stuff. But at the same time, it's like, if we want to succeed in this business, you have to, one, just be that person that is always there, always consistent and willing to do, put the head down and do whatever it takes. And like, honestly, recently for me, I've had like a kind of a big transformation where like we had just like a bunch of stuff going on and like I made a mistake and gotten some hot water because of it. And it really made me like completely realize like, you know, I had to really reevaluate things. And I understood that I'm in it one for the right reason, but two, like, you can't like it's business at the end of the day. Like yeah, you can't personal. take anything personal yeah. and like I've truly taken the ego out of it completely. And like, you know, there's no job that's not necessary like, that I won't do. And on top of that, like as long as everybody's doing their roles and filling their positions and everybody's like, you know, accountable, there's no need for ego. No. Yeah. And I've honestly been just happier and, just way better off and now i just lead with like with all my partners and everybody it's just compassion yeah, full you know? of trust just trust them and you can't i mean at the end of the day like if you you know people definitely show show their ass sometimes and like you there's things they do and you're like wow that's just not you know like i've learned early and this is not at all any of the partners i have now but like just for example like you look at how they treat their significant others when they're not around you know and like this was like way back. I learned this pretty much when I got out of college with some of my promoter partners. And you look at how they treat their significant others, whether they're not, you know, whether they're doing stuff that they don't know about or like, you know, with other people. And you're like, wow, if you did that to the person that you're supposed to be closest with, what are you going to do to me? You know? Yeah. And so like, as long as you pay attention to details like that and you make sure and you just lead yourself the first foot forward as compassion and honest and transparent and like, moving through and like just working hard you're gonna get so much farther in this business and that's at least what a lot of like the older people have told me yeah. in this game too and i'm just you know i don't know it's been uh four years in la has been like a battle for sure to get where we are now and it still interestingly enough like you know if i could tell myself four years even when i was here the first time two years ago like where we would be now you know and like yeah. all that stuff and you have all these things and like your clients are doing this and like you're actually really doing it like i would be pretty freaking surprised and be like wow he's made it but now i think about it right now and i'm like fuck i have so much shit i want to do still same you know no, i mean i still don't feel that accomplished so i think i'm still battling between that too of like at what point i think i'm getting close i think we'll need like another year or two where i'll really be like okay this is like a very very serious thing even though it's very serious now because you you know you do have other people's lives kind of you know their career yeah in your hand but yeah. it should, you should feel good though I mean dude like you're playing arenas you're you're signing new acts like you're working with legendary people in the space like mm -hmm. I feel the same way with you where it's like I feel like I haven't done enough but then I you know you kind of do take a moment we we don't take a moment to look back at like how far we've come and enough um, and we really should give kudos to ourselves I, I was you know talking to someone yesterday about it. So I was thinking about another job that I was offered and nothing crazy, but still do production. But I was like, should I take this? It's a dream job. He's like, dude, you are doing your dream job. Like you're doing everything you are, you're wanting to do. And I'm like, damn, you kind of are right a little bit. This is, but sometimes you don't recognize it because you're working so hard mm -hmm. and things are coming about. But I think we're in very fortunate positions to better ourselves, better the people around us. I mean, yeah, it's, and we're just like your acts and your other people you work with and, it's good. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, like I said, I'm still just trying to figure out how you be, like, how do you, like, how, what's the best way to be as grateful as possible? And I think, like I said, for me, what I'm learning now is to not have the ego and um, be compassionate and yeah. just, like, you know, take every day as it comes. Yeah. You know, what is it that nobody gets about the things you do or the time you put in or even how to get to this point? It's tough. I mean, I think what I just touched on is I yeah. think one of like the more recent realizations of like being 
taking the ego out of things to make sure that at the end of the day, no matter what, like you're not the rock star. Like every once in a while, I think we all could get sucked up into that stuff and like the flashiness and going to the cool stuff and like doing all that, you know, and being on tour, etc. And like, it's all really exciting. But at the end of the day, like no matter what, you know, chose a business to be, you know, the background, which is very obvious. Everyone is, oh, yeah, the, the team is always in the background, blah, blah, blah. But like, I see a lot of people make that mistake where they want to be in the limelight. And yeah. like, I think they're bigger than the project or bigger than the mission at hand. Yeah. And it's like, now nah, we got to remember while we're here first and foremost. Yeah. We it's all even work, like, yeah. Yeah. I, I like watch Defiant Ones. You ever seen that on mm-hmm. HBO? Yeah. I love that. I probably watch that all the time. But like, Jimmy Iovine had a part where it was like Bruce, he was working with Bruce Springsteen and John Lindo and was the producer. And, or the manager, he's his manager, and Lando, Jimmy Iovine, like, hated it, hated the process, he's, like, gonna leave, and Lando's like, Jimmy, remember, like, we're here for Bruce, we're not here for you, and if you go back in there and, like, just suck it up and work with him, you'll have, a, you'll have like, a friend for life, and you'll have something, like, so meaningful, and obviously he did, and obviously Jimmy Iovine is Jimmy Iovine, but yeah. he had that point where he's like, I, you know, I can't do this, he's, this isn't what I wanted, and the dude sat, the manager, like, yourself, you know you how you be like this is not like this isn't about you it's about the project you go back in there trust me so i think that's that's important yeah it's, it's, i think that's one about. of the most recent things i've been like watching and yeah. seeing and like also adapting myself too you know because you definitely get sucked into some of this stuff and like you know i think just being and also being honest yeah i think being honest transparent and transparent which is you know if you're surrounded by a bunch of yes men like or yes ladies um, it's not good for the artists at the end of the day. Like they'll start to believe the stuff. And if you really don't agree with something, t- tell them, mm-hmm. you know, and tell them in a nice way, like don't be an asshole yeah. about it. Like there's the sandwich technique where you hit them with the bread first. It's like, wow, the vocals on that song out of control. The melody's crazy. I feel like that hook is like not your best work ever. Yeah. You can beat it. And then you're like, yeah. But if you do all that, dude, this is going to be one of the yeah, best. Yeah, start with some positive reinforcement, yeah. leave it into the constructive criticism. Yeah, it's and, all about and it's your balance. it's your opinion. They hired you and they value your role as that. And look, you might not have all the right answers, but you at least need to give your opinion because that's what they value of you. Yeah, and just yeah. being, and I think the key also is just, again, I think on the compa- compassion front, it's like, you know, even down to like what we first started talking about, like the touring or if it's like an assistant at a label or whatever, like, one, obviously, you don't know where they're going to be in the future, but that also shouldn't be your motivation. But at the same time, like, if you're nice to people, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're just going to have a bunch of friends. Mm-hmm. Granted, you don't let yourself get taken advantage of, but and you stand up for yourself. But those are two really, really important things for people to, you know, move through and, and just trust your process and be authentic to yourself. And I feel like the music business or the entertainment industry in general it was a very cutthroat and hard business to be in and you you know re at some points and recently i've definitely had to play like you know just like had to like see like the game of thrones aspect of the business and that like definitely not my favorite part <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah. then i guess my favorite part about working with musicians and working in the business I'm in is actually getting demos. I love getting demos. It's like my favorite thing. Me too, yeah. Ever. Problem is, it's only about a percent and a half or two percent of the entire yeah. workload. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, as long as everybody, we always remember that we're, it's a business at the end of the day, you know? Yeah. It's a fun business. It can be fun, but the fun can only start once the work is done. Yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. Um, What's next? What what you got coming up? You know, I'm going to Hawaii for my birthday next weekend. Hell yeah. Which island? Kauai. Dude, yeah. I've been there before. You've ever been there before? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like country island. Like chickens are everywhere. I'm Just excited. Little but chickens everywhere. Back to, you know, I think yeah. what you're getting at for more music stuff is sure. um, I finally found the a country artist. Like I said, that one mystery artist. You love that, country. Is that your favorite genre? it is yeah but it's a new thing for me to be like i grew up on a ranch in arizona mm-hmm. and like we took a sh- we literally took a short bus to school with the valley kids and like the country kids and we would take the short bus to school it took like an hour to get to school 
and it would be a constant battle of like, would we play the rap station or the country station? I remember I just hated the country music, hated it. And then maybe like when I graduated high school, I started to listen to more and more country, like through ex-girlfriend or Zach Brown band was really the introduction. Then now like country Mm -hmm. is like my absolute favorite thing. And I've, I've been really manifesting and trying to work in the country space and at least start that. And I have found the person that I'm helping now. I'm not necessarily managing them quite yet, but um, I think that would be my end goal because their music is just so incredible. And um, they have what it takes. And like, I think for me, managing country music is like so stoked. That's cool. So that, and then obviously everything that Beautiful Dropout has going on. We got Lollapalooza, Aftershock, Louder Than Life, a couple college shows, a headline tour, probably a big, big party show in, in LA. We're dropping another song on August 2nd called Beautiful Waste, which is an amazing song. Incredible. I think the most pop leaning song we have yet. And oh, yeah, I've heard a, that a few times on social. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. And then they have an album drop and then Anthony Ortiz is at an amazing label that is just has so many resources and is just, you know, kind of giving us the opportunity to use them. And so it's been good. Everything seems to be working well, you know, and at the end of the day, I think um, I'm also building some private equity stuff on the side and I'm, Ooh, I'm let me know working on building a fund right now let me know for artists to invest in as well as you know kind of my friends and stuff so that's awesome that'll be my big goal i think is building this fund out that's how we're gonna buy a house i'm into it let me know when you get more tech stuff or you're gonna have it oh yeah no, we're, it's already in all right can you yeah send me that deck yeah Dope. yeah well dude thank you for doing this with me i know uh yeah, man. I mean, actually, you weren't that hard to come on. I'm happy that you were super easy. Just like, yeah, no, dude, it's of perfect. course. I'm glad. Yeah, no, it was work today was actually a perfect day, especially yeah. since it's close to the house. Yeah, no, I feel like we did a great combo here talking to man. And fuck yeah, dude, I'm happy Thank you're you one of the first me, for guys. me. I yeah. appreciate I'm flattered still. Yeah, no, dude, I'm so happy you are, man. I get heart palpitations. At a Pandora event, I think it was a winter, like a winter New York show. Yep. And uh, yeah, we're all wearing funky, weird stuff. Yeah, you guys were fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> we were, dude. And I loved every minute of it. You guys-